0: What's up fam? Welcome back to Whoa That's Good Wednesday. I hope everybody is having a great week. Y'all, I am so excited. For today's podcast, y'all are going to be so excited too. If you've ever listened to House Fires, and maybe some of you, you don't even know you listen to it, but you listen to it. Because when I went to Spotify, typed in House Fires, I was like, oh my gosh, these are like the songs that I listen to all the time. And so they just have incredible songs out. We actually have Nate Moore on the podcast today from House Fires. They have a new album out. I love the name of it, How to Start a House Fire. And I'm just excited to dive a little deeper into the meaning behind all of these things and hear his stories. So welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you on.
1: Grateful to be here.
0: So grateful. Well, I asked him before the podcast started, I said, so are you prepped with the world?" Oh, that's a good question? And he was like nope and I was like even better well I'm not gonna prep you because you know here's the thing I asked this question at the start of every one of my podcasts and it's so funny because you can tell who was prepped and who wasn't because when I say this question some people like act like oh I'm gonna think about for a second and then it's just like boom like clearly you thought about it and some people are truly like I literally have never thought about (laughs) this. Okay, so the question is simple, but it it does put pressure because it is, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Now, that's loaded. There's a lot of good advice you've been given, but just give us a good piece of advice that comes to mind when you think about things that have influenced you in your life.
1: Gosh. Well, I'm not faking it. I'm really (laughs) having to think about it.
0: (laughs) I've not been (laughs) prepped.
1: Oh, the best piece of advice I've ever been given. That's really good. I love that. Um, I think uh, one of my mentors in high school, actually my my youth pastor back in uh, Atlanta where I grew up, told me years ago, I won't date myself how how many years ago this was, Mm. but he said, this is when I was just first getting into leading worship, leading ministry. He said, Nate, do a few things and do a few things well. Mm. And so like just keeping it simple, you know, I I think there's always that there's that pressure. There's that temptation to be like, oh, I want to say yes to this. I want to say yes to that. As a recovering people pleaser, I still feel that struggle. I feel that temptation of like there's all these amazing things, especially living in Nashville, you know, where there's so many amazing ministries and churches and opportunities and open doors. But that one has stuck with me for almost 20 years. Do a few things and do them well
0: because uh,
1: you know i want to bring my whole heart my whole gift all of my passion uh to everything that i do and so Gosh. i don't want to be spread too thin you know i don't want to bring half of myself to it i want to yes. bring all that's that so god's good. made me to be i yeah. love that
0: that's so good you see what what that uh, answer should do is lead me to say, well, that's good and that's an easy, well, that's good moment because that really is so good. I mean, I think about my life and I used to just say yes to all these things, you know, I lived in Nashville for a season and you you get in this excitement of that's such a cool opportunity and yes, yes yes. and you know all of a sudden you're doing all these things, but you can't do them well because you don't have the capacity to do them well and some of these things that you're doing, you're not even gifted in to do. You just said yes because it was cool. And now that I've gotten more specific with my yeses and more specific with my no's, I just have seen um, the fruit that's come from that. And I've told this story in the podcast before, but when I was young, I used to, you know, eat apples and I would go outside and I would plant my little apple seeds. But what was funny about this is I would never remember where I planted the last seed. And so I didn't know where to go water it. So then I would plant another seed and then another seed and a joke that I have all these apple seeds in the ground, but none of them ever grew to be a tree because I didn't even know where i was planning so i could not continue to water i couldn't i could not do that very well and so wow. now i think about that a lot in my life like Am I scattering all these seeds in the ground and not inten- being intentional with the watering, not being intentional with the gardening, not being intentional with the growth? Because if I'm not intentional with that, then these things are never gonna grow. You can say yes all day long, but if you don't put the work behind it, if you don't have the heart behind it, the prayer behind it, if you don't really if you're not really all in, then you will not see the fruition that these things God puts in your heart are really meant to go, you know? And so I mm, love yes. that advice. What a great way to start this podcast. Um, I mentioned you're a part of House Fires, and um, tell us a little bit about how House Fires started, where this comes from, and how you got to be a part of it.
1: Yeah. So uh, it originated at a church in the heart of Midtown Atlanta. Uh, back in 2013, late 2013, um, the church is called Grace Midtown, still a thriving church in the heart of the city. You know, it's wedged in between Georgia Tech and Georgia State and Emory and all these amazing universities. And so it's kind of this young, vibrant, you know, culture to it. And, um, yeah, some of the leaders of the church actually were praying and they were like, God, what does the next season of our church look like? Like, You know, they were opening their hands and their hearts and saying, God, would you form our church? We want it to be your church, not our plan, Hmm. but like your divine vision and your purpose, your dream for this city. How can we bless our city and the people you've entrusted to us? And the very simple vision that came to them, the picture was houses on fire. Hmm. And they felt like God specifically said, plant 50 houses on fire, like go after seeing 50 houses on fire in the city. And by this you know, at this time, the church was already relatively big, probably a thousand ish and there were a ton of college kids and but you know in you know in the college season, it's just like everybody wants to do everything together all the time, you know what I mean, yeah. like you know there's just all this free time, I know that's my story, even where I went to school and um so you know there's there were there was the gathering on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. But the vision was to like tap into this early church model, you know, mm-hmm. as we see in the book of Acts, like it says the disciples, the apostles went from temple to home, home to temple. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just about the big gathering. I mean, that's amazing. Like we shouldn't forsake gathering together, like mm-hmm. Paul said, but also it's like, you know, we, we can't get all we need mm-hmm. just on a Sunday or a Tuesday or Wednesday night or whatever, you know, at church. And so really the... The vision was just to have people meet where they lived mm-hmm. in the in the common homes that they lived in. Living rooms, like nothing special about it. You didn't have to decorate it. People were not like, oh, we have to go to West Elm and get all these fancy new couches. <laughs> and it right. was just like, hey,
0: good. you
1: know, the invitation was bring who you are and what you have, wow. you know, um, and we'll do the same. You know, so it was just to prepare that common table, that common meeting space. Uh, you know, like in Acts 2.42, it says, you know, that the that the believers gathered to pray to fellowship to break bread mm-hmm. to share all things in common and so that was really the heart as they heard this 50 houses on fire wow and that was already happening but it, i think it brought some more purposeful vision wow and honestly back when god spoke that we never knew it would turn into a ministry into a band that god would send around the world and to bless the the global church. It was just like, Hey, this is for our little community, our little ethos that God has entrusted us to. Um, and you know, so we, we were like doing house churches, we called it and it's, it's semantics. Really people are like house church is So interesting. Like, (laughs) you know, small group, community group, home group, it's all the same. Like just gather where you live with your neighbors, invite people that you live around and commune with God and with one another. It's a beautiful, simple thing. And, um, So we, uh, we continued to do that, but these songs started to come out Mm. and not all, I mean, most of us weren't proper songwriters. We didn't have record deals. We were just like worship leaders at our church. Most of us weren't even on staff, you know, salaried, any of that. And, um, A big part of my story was actually hearing God invite me into this when I was in college doing house church stuff. Wow. Um, Maybe more on that later. But anyway, these songs started to come out and it was just beautiful. I mean, Mm. people were weeping and like giving their lives over to God and people were getting healed. And, you know, we were seeing miracles in front of us. You Mm -hmm. know, people were like, I don't have enough money to like pay my rent or this or that. And like people would just like that. That's a miracle too,
0: Yeah. you know? Like
1: when we give, when we become the provision, you know, through the grace of God that we're crying out for. I think that's a beautiful part of community and just these churches, you know, um, church and and spaces like homes and living rooms. Um, And, you know, like one of the first songs we ever wrote in House Church was actually Good, Good Father.
0: Wow. And
1: um, which is just funny to say, because I know like people be like, oh, my gosh, you know, not not a lot of people even know kind of the genesis of that story. But I remember um, we were singing in a living room and there was this girl who I believe her dad had a terminal illness. Mm. I don't remember specifically, but it was like getting close to the end. Mm. And she was just crying out to God, like, how could you let this happen, God? Like, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel good. And the room just like surrounded her. You know, holding her, weeping with her, crying out. And this very simple tag, this very simple refrain and chorus came out that you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And um, that's one of the most special moments I've ever wow. seen in worship. And there was nothing fancy about it. There was no plan like this song is going to go around the church and Chris Tomlin's going to do it and this and this and that. There was none of that. It was the purity wow. and the simplicity of a moment of just when the anointing of God comes upon a moment and a people that are open and broken enough to receive. And, you know, wow. language, he gives language to speak his heart, to reveal who he is hmm. to those who are ready to see it and hear it. Um Wow. But yeah, so songs just started to flow like that. You know what I mean? My and it gosh. was it was messy and out of tune guitars and people who couldn't even play an instrument were jumping so on the great. gym and shaking the tambourine. I mean, this is the beauty of Pentecostalism, right? <laughs> uh, of the charismania. Great. That's um,
0: great. This is so cool. I have to say, because uh, Chris Tomlin was actually on the podcast a couple of months ago, and he told, oh, the, he told the story of... I think, and I don't, I mean, I don't know it exactly, but that Lauren heard Good, Good Father, I guess, from you guys. And, but I didn't make that connection until you're saying that. I'm like, that's crazy. Cause he was saying Lauren heard it and was like, Chris, you have to hear this song. And he was kind of just like ignoring her, ignoring her. And then he's like, no, Chris, like you need to hear the song. And she plays in the song and he's like, I have to do this song. Like it just moved him in such a way. So it's so cool that you're here telling the story of actually what happened in that worship room. And, I mean, that is like the beauty of, that is true worship. Like you're sitting there in the mess of these big questions saying like, God, how could you do this? Like, are you really good? But then speaking over the feeling, speaking over what it looks like and saying, this is the truth of who you are, that you are a good, good father. And um, I just heard David Platt recently speak and he said, you know, you have to ask yourself the question Do you really believe God is good and powerful and holy and all of these things when you don't see any of the attributes of those things playing out right in front of you? And Mm. he's like, you have to come to, you know, knowing God in such a way that, yes, this is true about him, even though right now displayed in front of me by my earthly perspective, it doesn't look like that. This is what I believe. And so knowing that that was kind of what was happening in that room, that there was this honest doubt because of real life circumstances, but then this declaration of truth over a situation. And then for that house church moment to go across the world, that is like the coolest story ever. I did not know any of that. And I just love that. I have like so many questions from everything you just said we're going and like i'm like okay what do i even where do i even go first i think one (laughs) thing i do want to ask you because okay so this all did that all start in like 2013 to
1: 2014 yeah um and that good good father moment was even pre-2013 i believe that was maybe even closer to 2011 2012 but yeah house fires we did our very first recording uh Yeah, at the end of 2013, and that record came out January 2014.
0: Wow, so this has been about 10 years. So what I love, though, is like this morning I'm listening to y'all's new album, and you still get that pure, authentic worship, almost just freestyle, but... I mean, clearly I've yeah. thought it out, but it was freestyle spontaneous. It's just like declarations and it's just this beautiful form of worship. I wanna ask you because I think sometimes, you know, things start with such pure intention. Things start with this house, church, true worship, all these things. And then unfortunately things get big, things blow up. I mean, you guys were just on Fox and Friends, which was incredible and just huge success. But how do you maintain that original... Um, that original purity that it started with? How do you maintain that house fire, house church kind of mentality acts as you're getting to such a like level of success, if that makes sense?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Sadie. Um, I think uh, core values that lead into that and help cultivate that are just like Stay humble. Like, don't take yourself too seriously. Like, that's always been a core value of our band, of our ministry. You know, um, I love there. There's this um, quote that uh, Matt Redman has always said, and it's like, even after all we've seen, and I'm going to butcher it. This is my interpretation. But it's like, even after all we've seen, how many times we've stepped up to lead worship, to see God do amazing, powerful, miraculous things, we need Him just as much as we do when we first began, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And to stay dependent, right? Like that is the core of worship is to trust and to rely on a God that is in control, even when we are not, right? That sees it all even when we don't have the sight. Like house fires launching ten years ago. It was like we had no idea. Yeah. But God had already like had that dream in his heart and saw the end from the beginning. Right. And we trust in a God that leads us um through that. And so I would say, um yeah. Trust and dependency, staying like a child. I mean, I'm about to turn 35 years old this summer and I just, the older I get, I want to become more and more childlike, not yeah, childish, you know, good. and I have a three year old daughter. And so I get an image of that every day. Like, Oh my gosh, my beautiful daughter, Hazel Clementine, like she is an example Sweet. of what it looks like to be a childlike. Follower of Jesus. Yeah. To just be a child, to revel in the wonder and the wide openness of life and the goodness of it and the purity of it. And so I would say, like, we've always tried to keep that childlikeness, you know. And with that, like I was saying, don't take yourself too seriously. You're not yeah. that that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. Like I have to tell myself that all the time. Oh, I won this award. Okay. It's, you know, like to be proud, to feel honored, to be grateful is amazing. But at the end of the day, like you're not that big of a deal. Like it didn't come from you. Like remember your source. Remember, you know, the fount of every blessing, you know, our father, our God, you know? Um, And I would say like with house fires, we've always just aimed to cultivate and create what we need. You know what I mean? Um, It's just like, we need a place that feels free and feels like authentic and open to worship and to commune with others. You know, it's, of course we want to create what we need to see in the world, but it's like yeah. this is also for us too. Yes. And, you know, I don't want people to misinterpret that as like, oh, it's selfish, but it's like, you know what, I need to be filled with the Spirit. For sure. I need to hear God's voice. Like I need to write songs that I can come back to as prayers that were birthed in tears and in mourning and then crying out to God. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think Yeah. We've just always tried to cultivate and maintain the purity of when it first started.
0: I love that. That stay humble and stay, um, stay desperate for the Lord, honestly. And like an honest desperation. I'm not just saying I need you, God. Like I, I truly, fully, humbly understand that I am in desperate need of you. If I don't have you, you don't have anything. And I think also a lot of that has to do with, you know, in your mind, what is success? You know, is it is it hitting all these big markers or is it truly like houses being on fire? You know, and I feel that way with the things I'm doing. Like, you know, you mentioned getting these awards and how it's you're grateful, but that's not at the end of the day. And I had this funny moment this year where I was like um, nominated for like podcast of the year. For Caleb and I was like, this is so cool. Like I'm so excited. And I was so honored, so grateful, and um, I, I honestly, I really wanted to win it because I was like, this is like something that I. Pouring my heart into this is what I love and it was a fan voted thing so I was like how cool that like your people would rally behind you so I'm just like been thinking about this well I was I won the award and I was so grateful I was so excited and it was just so funny because I get up there and they hand me you know the K and I'm thanking everybody I'm just so excited and I literally had this thought like, oh, I can't wait to put this in my office. And as I walked up the stage, the lady immediately came and grabbed it from me and she goes, sorry, this isn't the real one. We'll send you one later or whatever. (laughs) And it was like, just such a like good picture of like, this is not what it's about. You know, like these things don't last, like don't store up your treasures where, you know, rust and moss, all this stuff that, I love that verse. It's like, this is not where your treasure's like, yes, you're grateful, yes, It's an honor that people, uh, you know, Love the podcast and voted and more than but more than that, like that the fact that this podcast has impact, the fact that people are being led to Christ, like the fact that one person's listening and would come up to me in the airport and say, When when this person was on and shared their story, that's exactly what I was going through. That's exactly the word I needed. And so, you know, when you start to redefine what success is or make sure your heart is pure in success, then I think it does keep you humble because you realize it is not about you. It truly is about Kingdom work and in that case you can, you know, knock yourself down ten degrees and and see for what it really is. And so I just I love yeah. what you said. I think that's so beautiful and, and truly like so much of what I'm putting out is the same for me. Like all these podcasts that I have, as I'm sitting here listening to you, I learn so much, I'm taking in so much. I need these conversations, I need this wisdom. Um, and so that's just super cool to see us perspective and your core values last for such a long time and uh, Lord willing, for, for years and years and years to come. And it's cool. Y'all are building something that just outgrows y'all too. It's just awesome. So I got to yeah. ask, you kind of hinted at your story a little bit in the midst of all that. Um, what's your story of faith? how did you come to know God? And what made you decide, you know, with your life, you're going to write songs for the church?
1: Yeah, Thanks for asking that. I love to share. Um, <clears throat> so I grew up in a very contemporary, non-denominational church. Um, you know, back when people were like, "Is it hymns or is it modern worship?" You know what I mean? It was like this hot topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I didn't grow up in the pews. I didn't grow up singing hymns. You know, we grew up in a. I grew up in a very non-denominational, um, modern church in Northeast Atlanta. And it's actually the same family of churches that Grace Midtown was a part of. So I was a part of that family of churches and ended up pastoring there for five, six years. And so most of my life, and which is a gift to say, like, I grew up in the same place, you Mm -hmm. know? I mean, a lot of people transplant and, you know, just as parents have to move and family stuff happens, you know, they're just moving from church to church. But I'm blessed to just say I grew up in the same family, in the same house and uh, the same house of worship. And um, they had a very big emphasis on discipleship. It Mm -hmm. was always, you know, quoting the psalm that said, so the next generation might know that even the children that aren't yet born would in turn know God and worship him. And so I just grew up, we would recite that every Sunday. And, you know, because of that culture, always had mentors, always had people discipling me, pouring into me, encouraging me for better or for worse. You know what I mean? Like when I wanted to get out of line and act up and party, people would be like, you're better than that, Nate. I'm like, <laughs> ah!
0: You know, these
1: people tethered to me, like rebuking me in love and was you awesome. know, guiding me. So I grew up in great. that church and um, it was beautiful. It was amazing with parents who loved Jesus. Um, and, you know, uh, most of my experience, My experience was still, and this is not on the church. This is just my interpretation was, you know, that I was worshiping a far off God that Mm. one day when I would die, I would go up in the sky and I would really know him. You know what I mean? And most of my framework for worshiping and loving God was like, I just don't want to upset him. Yeah. You know, my view of God was he's already angry.
0: Wow. So
1: like, I don't want to push the button even more. So it was this fear-based theology and mentality of like... Don't upset Zeus in the sky. You know what I mean? And not this good, tender, loving father as we see revealed in the life and the ministry of Jesus. And that's not to say like love doesn't go hand in hand with, you know, judgment or all of these other things. Like we have to hold the tension of that, right? There's nuances. We see that all throughout scripture. But most of my framework, all that to say was I was afraid of God. I just didn't want to get struck down. Like I just thought if I sin, if I do anything, I could die. And, um, so, you know, I, I checked all the boxes. I was a good youth group kid leading small groups. I I remember I started leading worship when I was 15 because my youth pastor cool. was like, Hey, you got a pretty good voice on you. Would you be down to like lead worship Sunday mornings? And, you know, I just picked up guitar and I wanted to impress the girls. And I was like, yeah, like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, like
1: you know, it wasn't the most pure thing, but I just remember being like, I guess I could help out. Yes. You know what I mean? And um, so started leading worship. I just remember just being so nervous and, um, like every time I would get up there and, you know, I, the beauty is it isn't all dependent upon us yeah, like when we good. tap in and we're reliant on a source that is greater and more powerful than ourselves. It doesn't matter if I've missed the mark. It doesn't matter if I missed a chord or it's I good. said, or saying the wrong thing, like the grace of God supersedes all of that. That's right. And he can use anything, right? His grace is sufficient, like 2 Corinthians says. So all that to say, I started leading worship then, but I was just kind of like living this check-the-box expression of Christianity. Okay, I journaled today. I prayed. I don't think I made God that mad. You know, I read the Bible because I should have. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, so I went off to college back in 2006 went to University of Georgia, go dogs
0: Let's go. and
1: um it's a good couple of years for us I'm happy I'm grateful
0: <laughs> um,
1: but you know, I went off to school, and most of the people I went off to school with, you know that knew Jesus and were living for Jesus, kind of started to decide to party and mm. go the other way, and you know, I dabbled a little bit in that like in high school and so i just i knew the fruit of that like i knew what that led to and i kind of came to this crossroads with the lord because i was lonely i was alone in my dorm room and i felt like all these people that i went off to college with were just not the same people and um i battled loneliness and depression most of my life um but i just remember like weeping in my dorm room like god i have no one like i feel alone in this brand new place and there's all these opportunities to meet people, but it feels like the wrong way to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, I just came to this crossroads where it was like, God, I either want all of you or nothing. Like, I don't want to just live this, like you should type of Christianity, this dutiful thing. Like I want to do it out of delight. And I feel like God turned my duty into delight. Right? It's like not have to, but get to like want to, there's this deep desire that the spirit waters and rises up in your heart when you say yes yeah. and when you open up. Right. And so I just remember crying out in my dorm room, like, God, send me people like, use me. Like, I want to know you just like a friend that's sitting right beside me, you know, mm. like, and, um, I was reading the book of acts at the time. And I had actually just started to read about all these revivalists, you know, in the eighteen, nineteen hundreds, and just these mighty moves of God. And I just remember like feeling the dissonance and being like, why haven't I seen this stuff? Mm. Like, if we believe like the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus lives in us, yeah. you know, we're under that same mandate, that same vision as the early church. Like what's the disconnect? It's good. You know? Yeah. And, um
0: Good question. I don't
1: say any of that like on my church upbringing, because like I said, it formed me. Yeah. That's where I started leading worship. That's where I learned how to lead and to love people. Um, but I just started crying out out of a desperate heart. Like you're saying, an honest desperation. Like I needed God. I was like, God, I want all of you. I don't want to play these games anymore, these religious checklists. Yeah. And I Sadie, like, I just remember it was like the spirit fell upon me in my room. Wow. Like the day of Pentecost. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like I wish I could have like a third person video view of what happened, but I just (laughs) remember it was it was messy, right? Like God met me in my mess. He met me in my questioning. He met me in my like lack thereof. And I just remember like being filled with the Spirit and God wow. feeling so close, like a friend, like a lover, like a father—everything that I had needed. And I remember just like picking up my guitar because it was the only thing I knew how to do, you mm-hmm. know. And gosh, I probably knew four chords, maybe three. Wow. And I just capo up like ten fret as far as I could <laughs> go to get into a comfortable key, and I just started singing what was in my heart. Wow! And I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never written a song in my life, but I just started to sing my prayers and. I just remember God sending me from that place, like, I want you to do that, very simply that same thing. And I'm going to like use it more than you would ever know. And of course, I had my doubts along the way. This was my freshman year of college. like I didn't know who I was or what I was going to major in. But I just remember God kept knocking on the door of my life and on my heart. And I knew it was him because he said... I'll open doors that only I can open. This is not of your own effort. Like bring your gifts, bring your passion, bring your like skills, but I'm going to multiply it like the loaves and the fish, you know? And so I've always looked at songwriting and worship leading as like singing your prayers, singing what you need and you want to see singing, who, you know, God to be declaring. I mean, there's all these aspects of worship and of praise, but for me, it just started with a desperate cry of like, God, I need you. And, um, You know, I felt like God sent me from there and he was just very strategically like, I'm going to bring people into your life that you can run with, that I want you to create beautiful things with for me, for my kingdom. And so, um, you know, I'm a sociable guy. I love people. And so, you know, meeting people has never been hard for me. Um, But God brought a few brothers and sisters into my life in college that first year where there was just this deep connection. It was just like we had felt like we grew up together, but we had just met. Wow! And isn't that beautiful? Like The Spirit of God can do that. I mean, I'm not knocking on like relationships that have stood the test of time. And, you know, there's something beautiful, beautiful about old friendships. But it was just like you meet these people and you just feel like kindred spirits. I met like five or six people like that. And we just started gathering in our living room and in our dorms. And, um, you know, we're part of churches. There, we were part of campus ministries, but we just felt like there was something more to God had birthed in us. Yeah. And um, I wanted to see a safe place, an open place for people to come, like that felt disenfranchised from church. Because you see that so much your first couple of years of college, like, oh, I can do whatever I want. For better or for worse, like I don't have to live my parents' expression of religion or Christianity. Like a lot of people are rebelling because they've been rule followers or whatever, or they're disappointed or, you know, they just are curious. But I wanted, you know, with some of these friends just to create a space where God could do whatever He wanted. It's great. And He would use and equip unqualified people. We were so unqualified. Like I said, I didn't know how to lead the perfect worship set. I wasn't like, hey, Piano player, play this chord and look at this transition. We're going to take an offering. It was like, no, like that stuff was so dang messy,
0: it's but awesome. it was
1: beautiful. There's so much beauty and power in the mess and the surrender. So um, and you know what? We started with five of us in our living room, uh, just crying out for our city, for Athens, Georgia. God, would you come? Would you, would you renew us? Would you bring people to you? Would you heal people? Would you save us, fill us, God, send us? We need this just as much as anybody else. And by the end of that first semester, we had almost 100 Come overflowing on. out of our house. And it wasn't because we we're doing anything special. It was yep. because of that simple little repeated yes. Yeah, like that's so. That good. What faithfulness to God looks like. Just show up. It could be the weakest, little quietest whisper of a yes. God still uses that. Yeah. Or it could be the mightiest, like, yes, God, I'm all yeah. in. But like he takes what we give him. Like that's so and true. And he'll expand it supernaturally and use it more than we could ever know. And you know, we we had the homeless and the houseless coming. We had families with kids coming. You know, we just we had college students and people who weren't in college. It was just like, bring everyone. Like that's the invitation of God. Everyone is included and invited, right? And so we just prepared a place. We just kind of set the table. Like I love to say, and we've said this in house fires, like worship so much or so often is like hospitality. You're just kind of setting the table. You're opening the door. You're like, come on. And God does the rest, right?
0: It's so good. And
1: um, so these were these house church gatherings and it was beautiful. And this is where I felt like God really... Came upon my life and anointed me and sent me to do this the rest of my life. And gosh, I didn't know what it was like. I remember people, like relatives, being like, "You know what internships you got set up?" And I'm like, "Nothing, nothing." <laughs> not I'm just sure leading yet. worship for the glory of God. He's using it. They're like, "You're crazy, <laughs> man!" Like, awesome. I remember even family members being like, "What are you doing? Like, yeah. this is not a good life plan." And sometimes there's wisdom in the practical approach and. But I just remember like being a fool for God. Like same. You know, and that's actually one of the Hebrew words of praise is to be a fool for God, to literally like just revel in the freedom and the grace and that's good. I don't know, like I always want to err on that side. That's like,
0: so good.
1: You know, the wisdom of God is above the wisdom of man. That's and right. oftentimes when we live lives of faith and trust in God, it will look foolish it's to true. the world. It'll look foolish to our culture. People like, I don't understand. That's not a good retirement plan. Yeah. That's not a good this or that or exit ramp off of your major in college. And I'm not saying don't take practical advice and wisdom. Please do.
0: Yeah. But
1: I just think like when God has a plan for us, it won't always make sense to everybody else. Well, and if you so just true. keep trusting what you've heard, keep walking in that, keep showing up to it and saying, yes. God will do more than you could ever ask or imagine.
0: And so true. that's
1: one of my favorite verses in Ephesians, you know, just like more than we can ask or imagine. It's
0: like, so true. You know? God said so good. Everything you just said, I hope people just even go back and you brought us right into the story. I feel like I was there. I was like, yes, we're growing. I felt like we're, we're like at the beginning of this time, starting this house thing, seeing the worship expand. And it was like so exciting. But also you said so many like solid life lessons within that, solid things. Things about God, about his character, about what it looks like to say yes to him, what it looks like to actually be qualified to do what God's asking you to do. It has nothing to do with your earthly qualifications, but more so just the fact that you're called by God. And if you're called yeah. by God, you're equipped by God. If you're called by God, he'll send the right people in your life to do the things that he's asking you to accomplish. He's not going to ask um, more of you than he's willing to give you know to you to do what what you have to do and a lot of times people are like okay god you said i'm gonna do this so so where's the platform? So where's the thing? And it's like the thing's in your house, you know, like the thing yeah. is in your voice. It's it's in your three chords. It, it's just starting where you're at, using what you have and doing it with full faith. And, and I think you're so right about that practicality. Yes, there's wisdom to some, to some practicality for sure. We're not saying, you know, don't be practical and just go quit everything and do whatever. No, but at the same time, There is a part of faith that just is not going to be practical. There's a huge part of faith that is just not going to make sense. And I, I remember when I hired the first person on my team now, she's worked for me for six years. Um, we are teammates through and through. Man, if I did not have her, I would not have anything that I'm doing right now in the ministry. Our team is such a solid team. But I just remember uh, going to hire her and the second person who's been with me for six years, where I came to them and I was like, look, I don't have anything solid here, but I got a lot of faith and a lot of vision. And let me just share with you the vision. And I, I think it can be accomplished, but I'm going to need you guys. going to need a team. And we're just going to need to start saying yes. And, and to be honest, I truly did not have any of the things I was saying set in stone. I didn't have any of the things I was saying that made a whole lot of sense, even with where I was coming from. But I just had this vision from the Lord and I just had this um, faith to, to say yes and to desire His will over my own. And I remember what was so cool about it is both of the people I was hiring one had like a legitimate opportunity to go be a tour manager for like a an actual legitimate artist the other one had a solid marketing job at a very well known college like these people mm-hmm. are doing great things and here I am asking them to do something that would require so much faith pay back like I mean cut back in their salary all these things and their faith to say yes knowing that they too were not qualified for what I was asking because none of us knew how to do what we were about to do. Plus, they were taking steps away from the security and the thing that made sense actually like encouraged me so much and, and just my faith to know like okay God you are moving in this because this this literally has to be you or we're really a fool, you know? But we'd rather be a fool for you. And here we are six years later uh, doing so much more than we could have even thought of, dreamed of, imagined, things we never thought of in that initial meeting, things we couldn't have even thought to imagine. It's like when God tells Abraham, like, go out and look at the stars. like there's a lot bigger picture here than what you can see right now and so yes there's so much so much more than than you know with that initial yes but that yes and that willingness and that commitment to sit to actually you know go for it man it takes you such a long way because you have the wind of God behind you and with that I mean there's no small thing attached to that and so that's just so cool to hear your story and to hear everything that God's done uh, I want to ask you, Uh, I heard about the tattoo you have, two degrees, I believe, and it's a really cool story. Can you share a little bit about the meaning behind that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I don't know if you've heard of on-site workshops, yeah, but it's actually it's in North Nashville. It's like an hour outside the city. Yes, and I'm a big believer in just like listening and paying attention to the things that keep coming up in your life. Yeah, like. And thank God that like the first time he knocks or he kind of pokes us on the shoulder is not the only chance, right? Like so, I really believe that like things come back around. That's true. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that like sometimes we can miss things, but yeah. the grace of God brings it back around, right? Um but I just remember so many people in my life that I love, respect and trust being like, "Dude, I think you should check on site out." I went and it changed everything for me. And like I'm, I'm coming off like a few years ago of like a mental breakdown of anxiety and depression and wow. just all this stuff like hitting the fan. Like, wow. oh, my goodness. Things that I ignored for years, you know, and then just going through the pandemic, like having to like reckon with all that was like, oh, my goodness. Wow. Um. So needless to say, I've been in therapy. Thank God that, uh, you know, that he set me up well and people to be. You know, sages and voices of wisdom in my life that can lead me and guide me and call things out when I can't see fully myself. But, um, onsite is just really like a therapy counseling center and so many friends have gone. So I finally decided to go and I was a bit reluctant. Like being vulnerable is not hard for me. Being open is not hard. I love to share as you've seen. I love it, but it just felt like, I don't know. I, I, I just wasn't sure what it was going to look like. And so uh anyway showed up at onsite and they say it's like 7 months of therapy in 4 days which is so dang true I, there was so much breakthrough and transformation that happened that week in my life and that jump started all these things uh that week and so I'm so grateful but one of the little teachings every morning uh before we break up into our groups or you I did an individual track. So I had my own therapist all day, every day, which was amazing because I can get distracted by groups. I get goofy and I'm like, oh, I love this. It's like college all over again. Like, yeah, let's party. And it's like, no, like focus, Nate. Like, God bless. Um, I so get ADHD, that. it's something special, Sadie. But uh, anyway, so all this to say, every morning there's like a little teaching to kind of just meditate on and center yourself. And the teaching one morning was very simply like the two degree shift. And I don't, I don't remember who originally came up with this idea. Somebody much smarter than me, but uh, it just stuck with me because I've always had a hard time with discipline. Like God bless us, spacey artists that are just visiona- visionaries and dreamers, and are like all, all up in the clouds all day, <laughs> just all oh, this and that. And- You know, (laughs) discipline has always been hard for me, especially because every week of my life looks different. You know what I mean? It's on tour, it's in the writing room, or it's in the studio, or it's getting lunch with somebody I want to connect with to kind of dream ministry stuff about or whatever. could be anywhere in the world, right? And there's beauty to that, but it's not very conducive for discipline. (laughs) And um, anyway, all this to say the teaching was a two degree shift over a long period of time can change your whole trajectory. So it's not even always about the big changes. Like, think about New Year's resolutions where it's like, mm-hmm. I'm giving up gluten and dairy and meat. And, you know, oh my gosh, I've tried that so many times. Whole 30, full. Th- I'm more like full 30. I'm like, eat it all. I'm going to eat it all for a month. But, uh, sorry, I'm dumb. But, uh, I so I've always had trouble, like, You know, I always have these big dreams and these big goals, but it's just like it's so easy to get discouraged when you don't set realistic, attainable goals. And so this teaching so connected to me, like little changes over a long period of time, the rest of your life in spectrum will change the whole trajectory. Like, think about it. Just two degrees on the map. You can end up in a completely different place in the world or in the country or whatever. And this just changed how I saw everything like it's no longer about the big changes it's like okay I want to get healthy like mentally physically spiritually I just need to start integrating these into my life in very attainable ways simple ways So true. and I mean that's like such a good piece of advice too like set attainable goals or else you'll stop showing up to it because you'll get disheartened and discouraged and we all miss the mark you know what I mean but it's like okay I got a little off track. Okay. Just keep with the small changes. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of that That's piece of advice that I shared at the beginning, like do a few things and do them well. Right. Yeah. Like we don't need to, it's impossible to change everything at once, yeah. like 15 or 20 things. Like start with the one or the two things, it's great. start chipping away at that iceberg, you know? Great. Um, so I got this tattoo is my very first tattoo. I love it. Um, with a group of people that I got close with at onsite, we all got it together. Um, just to remind ourselves what we had learned and what that's God cool. had done that week. And um, yeah, I, love I just I look at it and I just remember small changes. Nate. I love Keep chipping that. away at it. Keep going. Like,
0: it's so you encouraging know. and so doable. You know, I think that's like the biggest thing because so many goals that we set can almost be discouraging because you know, you're not going to do them, you know, but right. knowing like, no, actually I am capable of doing this. I'm capable of doing this small thing in the right direction, which could actually set me up on the, right path for my life. And gosh, that, that's so encouraging. And it just encourage whoever's listening today, like you might already know what that one degree shift is. You know, you might already know what yeah. that one little thing you can shift is and start doing that today. Start implementing that in your life. You don't have to wait till January 1st or the next fast at your church or whatever it is. Like start now doing that because it'll set you up great. And just even thinking about that practicality thing, I think it's not so much practicality, but when you do have faith and discipline, you know, not always practicality, but discipline and real work and real steps behind it, because it does require that, man, that's whenever you just see so much fruit because God is good and God is capable of doing anything God wants to do. But God has also put the things in you to wake up in the morning, brush your teeth and get to work on, you know? And I think sometimes we want you know, God to just do all the things for us when God's like, there's a reason I actually put breath in your lungs, you know, is to do the work that I put in you to do to display my glory, to to be an image bearer of me, to, to allow people to be in awe and wonder of who I might be as your creator. And so I just love that pairing. It's not sitting around and just saying, all right, God, we, we believe you're going to do it. Well, yeah, we believe you're going to do it, but we also believe you're going to do it through us. And so yeah. I just think that's really cool. And I wanted to go back to something you said earlier how you grew up in a non-denominational church background. And, um, you know, you had to come to this point in your life where you were like, God, I just want you, all of you. I'm desperate for you. And you, you know, mentioned that it wasn't your background that kept you from that. It's really just your own, you know you hadn't had that personal full moment yet and i had a completely different background as i was in a super traditional upbringing in church we only sang hymns we sat in pews we had the hymnal book and um you know just really traditional and i had to have the same moment as you where when i was 17 years old i said god like i am putting you out of the box that i built uh, around mm. you, like a, like you bust through that box, shatter that box. Like I'm sorry for the box, but I want to know you. at Same prayer, I want to know you as a friend. I want to say yes to what you're asking of me. I don't want to hold back from a life that you would have me to live because I have such a small view of who you are. All these different things, and from that moment on, my life just began to completely change. And same thing, it just is like the first time I ever got a vision from the Lord. The first time I felt really the Holy Spirit, because I'd never felt like emotional Mm. and like worship like that before. Like everything just kind of shifted for me. And so I just wanted to say it to say like for the person listening, like you might have grown up in a church background, that's super traditional. You might have grown up in a church background that was not an initial. You might have not grown up in church at all. You might be here on this podcast. You're like, this is the closest thing of church I've ever been to. And it doesn't really matter how you grew up. Everyone has to have the moment where they say, this is my personal faith where God, like, I want to know you personally, not just yeah. what I've heard in Sunday school, not what I haven't heard, not whatever is my past is my past. But right now for the rest of my future, I want to know you like that. And so just encourage the listener, like, it, it's it's different your, your relationship with Christ is different than your relationship on Sunday morning at church. You know, like it's not, like you said, a check the box thing. It's a true relationship. I want to know you as a friend. So I just want to go back to that because I think that's super relatable for so many people, no matter what their background is, that everybody has to have that moment. Um, I wanna ask you specifically about this new album. So I'm a YouTube person. I've been doing YouTube for a while. I'm not a YouTuber, I just put my podcast on YouTube. But one thing that's true about it is that the how-to YouTube videos always do the best. So if you ever are titling a YouTube, (laughs) you wanna kinda be like, Well, how to, dot, 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 because people search most how to. And so when I saw this album, I was like, oh, this is so great. How to start a house fire. And the reason why how to is so wildly searched is because people really want to know how to do stuff. Like, how do I actually move on from a breakup? How do I start a garden? How do I put on makeup? It's like all these wide variety of how to's. So what led y'all to the how to thought And on that note, how do you start a house fire? I guess that'd be the best way to end this podcast.
1: Yes, I love that. And I am a personal believer and searcher of how-to videos. <laughs> me too. If you I'm looked on my YouTube history, it's so many how-to's like, how do I clean this <laughs> thing in the kitchen? How do I like me too. I'm all over that? How do I fix my golf swing? Like, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like oh gosh. So I'm a huge believer in that. And thank God for YouTube and just the accessibility and people are just sharing all these ideas. What a beautiful gift. Um so yeah, the name how to start a house fire kind of came up throughout the years of us traveling and being on the road and oftentimes when we do tours or worship nights there's always A. Q&A, you know what i mean um, and those honestly have been some of my favorite moments in ministry the last cool. decade um because it's just like face to face with real life people laughing crying just sharing heart to heart and I love the unfielded questions where people are just honestly like, hey, what do you think about this? How did this happen? Like, what do you believe about this? And all that to say, like the most frequent question that we've gotten throughout the years is like, how do we start a gathering like you guys have? Like, because we would do back at Midtown, we would do a monthly house fires worship night up until the pandemic hit. We do it every month since 2014. And it was free. People would come from all over the Southeast, drive in from their colleges, wherever. And um, so people would see that. And we've always just oriented our music around that, right? Like we want it to be raw. We want it to be vulnerable. You know, you can tell, like you're saying, when you listen to it, when you see it on YouTube. So the question we've gotten when we've been on the road the most all throughout the years is like, how do we start a gathering like this? Like, how do I start this in my little old Baptist or Methodist or Anglican church in the middle of nowhere, you know, Mississippi or Pennsylvania or wherever, or England. And so, you know, we just thought it would be cool to put together a record uh, of like how to start a house fire that would encapsulate and include songs that we felt like told the story of that throughout the years, you know, the, the songs of adoration, the songs of desperation, the the songs that invite this more of the spirit in our life and his movement, um, the spontaneous unplanned moments where it's like, you know, we just kind of got caught on this little thing and we're going to chase it. You I know what I mean? This, this was yeah. totally off the cuff, which those are some of my favorite moments yeah. throughout the years. Not even that we've created, but just so many friends throughout the world that have kind of just like, created space for God to breathe and to speak in a wide open live moment, which I love. Like, you know, we, uh, one of my mentors, Jason Upton has always said, like we worship and we serve a living God. So we should come to be very familiar with the spontaneity, you know, the spontaneous moments. That's cool. It's a living, breathing God. Life is spontaneous. Not everything could be planned. Like so much is far beyond our control. Right. Yeah. And so like a lot of the beauty A lot of the power and the brilliance comes when we lean into those unplanned moments, right? So, why not incorporate that and integrate that in our worship and our praise? I love
0: that. And that's
1: not to say, like, gosh, Sadie, back you know, 15, 20 years ago when I was leading house church, I used to err on that side. Mm-hmm. I used to be like, I'm not planning to set at all, like <laughs> step up in house church. And you could do that a little bit more in house church than a regular church. But ashamedly, I've definitely shown up to lead some church conferences where I'm like, we don't need a plan. We don't need a set list. Like, we're just going to fully lean on the Lord. And it's like, oh boy, like you're in for a <laughs> <laughs> and then I've also like overcorrected oh and been like, yes. everything needs to be planned, a program to a T. And that's not me hating on that. God yeah. is in the programming. He's in the strategy. He's in the planning. Yeah. But I think the beauty that we even see in the life of Jesus is we need the both. It's the, Again, both, it's the, both. We the have
0: both. We need the spontaneous.
1: We need the planning. Yeah, And like, we see that with Jesus. Like, You know, he'd be like, My time is not yet. And he'd hop over a wall and be like, Nope, he'd escape the crowd. You know what I mean? Like, and they're like, Oh, I don't know if that was planned, but he would improvise, you know what I mean? And there were other times where it was just like, This is the plan, this is what God's doing in this moment. So all that to say, like, we need the strategy, we need the programming, the planning, we also need the living, breathing spontaneous.
0: You need it all.
1: Um, so all that to say, how to start a house fire is just our simple stab at how did this thing get kicked off? What kind of songs? tell you about that it's great. We'll carry the spirit of that original movement in our little church in atlanta yeah. um, and it was just such a such a gift and a privilege to invite so many friends to collaborate with us as you've probably seen there are a bunch of new names on cool. this record yeah. you know people we just love to make music with people that we love that we yeah. respect that we're inspired by like yeah all of these artists i'm just like blown away by I love it. you know and um yeah, make, make music, make moments with people that you love. And, um, that's kind of our approach to this record, but how to start a house fire is just yeah, us wanting to share that that heart with the world.
0: So good. Well, y'all did and a heck it of a job doing it. I mean, truly it's such a good album. And I was telling my husband on the way to work today, I was just like, it is truly just so worshipful. Like I'm sitting in my living room by myself just worshiping with you guys like a collective, like a church. And um, man, and that's what you get when you truly let the spirit move in a, in a worship room. And you guys did that. And so that reaches through the screen. It reaches into people's cars because it's the living and breathing God. And so you guys are awesome, Nate. It has been a pleasure getting to know your story. You're, so you are you need your own podcast. You're hilarious. Uh, and you're driving some bombs. I will speak it. I will speak it. I'm listening to it too. You're but too no, sweet. I appreciate you being on the podcast. It's a major woe that's good. And I'm just thankful for, for your time and your stories was awesome
1: likewise thank you so much Sadie